Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live. It's episode number 177, building a modest contest station with BeLoud.us, recorded live on Thursday, August 15th, 2019. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Steve, W9SN. And uh, I forgot to ask if Fred was going to make it, uh, WW4LL. He is traveling. They're going to be down at Huntsville this weekend. So uh, we'll uh, we'll take Steve, and, and if Fred can join in, we, uh, we will add him in. And we'll take your calls in a few minutes. Last week here on the show, Craig Thompson, K9CT, was here to talk about SMC Fest. And if you missed the show, you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or on your favorite podcast app or YouTube, or you can catch the rebroadcast on WTWW, 5085 AM, Saturday evenings at about 6.30 PM Eastern time. So get your station building questions ready to go. If you're listening to us live on Thursday night, you can give us a call. We'll do the interview first and then We'll open up the phone lines, and the number to call is 812-NET-HAM-1. It's 812-638-4261. You can also send a question via Twitter. The Twitter handle is at HamTalkLive, and I'll be back with Steve right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on HamTalkLive. Is this getting serious? I think so. Well, how do you feel about it? Just imagine if you hadn't run out of PL259s. Just imagine if your connectors weren't from Tower Electronics. Consider the sophisticated quality of connectors from Tower Electronics. Their silver-plated end connectors are so good, they've even been used on the International Space Station. I'm not so sure why I ever used any other PL259s. Mine are better. Besides, you deserve the best. You know I love you. Don't be caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics at a ham fest near you. Or visit them online anytime at pl-259.com. Or call 920-435-2973. They also have ham sticks, mobile antennas, and meters, too. See the whole catalog. 
go to pl-259.com. Tower Electronics, the Ham's Dime Store since 1978. Oh, baby. You put a 5-9 in my logbook. Now enjoy more Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show again tonight. They help bring you Ham Talk Live each and every week. And we'll see Scott and Jill this weekend down in Huntsville, Alabama. They will be there. And then they're off to Shelby, North Carolina, August 30th, 31st, and September 1st. Finley, Ohio, September 8th. And then Peoria, Illinois, the Superfest, September 14th and 15th. But you can visit them anytime at pl-259.com. Steve Narducci, W9SN, is an active contester participating mostly in CW and Ready contests. He's helped and installed several contest stations with antenna station design, engineering, and software modeling. He's a former CEO of a small wireless company prior to its acquisition and now focuses on contest station building and design. In 30 years, he reached the top of the honor roll of DXCC at 349, and he owns and operates a winning contest station on a high hilltop in northeast Tennessee, holding two USA records and many top three finishes, and continues to push the limits with his four-tower installation and several antennas. So, Steve, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks, Neil. It's good to be back. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I hear you just fine. And uh, okay, we're gonna great. we're gonna talk about building some uh, contest stations and and you operate uh, BeLoud.us. That's a large remote contest station out in Maine, and uh, you can remote into that and, and operate that. So we'll I'm sure talk about it as well. But we talked about that station quite a bit last time you were on, and we said you know. We didn't get around to talking about, okay, now what, what do the rest of us do? Okay. I'd love to have, you know, uh, one of these great big contest stations like that. I, I would absolutely love that. But the reality is I'm, I'm not going to be able to pull that off. So for somebody like me that, that likes contesting, but knows you know, I'm not going to be in the top five and I'm not going to have the time to, to get in the, in the top five, but you know, I, I want to improve and do better, um, and, and build a, a modest contesting station. Let, let's take tonight to talk about some of the main things that you need to do, uh, without breaking the bank. Yeah. Uh, I'll share some things that I've learned over the years uh, for a more modest station and, and building for um, contesting and, and DXing. Um, you know, I, I started out as a DXer and, and ended up as a contester, So, but I still like both. I still do both. It's a lot of fun. But uh, uh, I'll also say I'm one of the newcomers. Um, I've really only been doing this seriously for about 10 years. Um, I've had really good success, and it's been a blast. Um, you know, but many, many guys, uh, a lot of my peers have been doing this a whole lot longer than I have, uh, you know, it's decades. 
So I don't consider myself an expert, but I've learned a lot from my experience and I've had the privilege to contest uh, some of the best talent on the planet, and, I, and I've learned from them. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to focus on building some uh, contest station and just, just some, some techniques and some bu- fundamental building blocks. Um, today, probably the first thing that I do when I look at it is, is software um, in, in design. So, you know, I've been traveling the globe quite a bit lately, and I've been in a lot of countries, and I've, I've been all over our country uh, helping st- stations, uh, giving some pointers and, and doing it hands on. So, uh, and, and, you know, really building the modest to the, to the big, the fundamentals are, are really the same. So the first thing I always look at is HFTA software. Um, K6TU's website now makes it easy to do this and it can be done in minutes. Uh, you know, just a few years ago before this came along, uh, you had to. It was it was a monumental task to to do, do this. It was like an hour and a half video on YouTube, and you know you had to download stuff from from different websites and had to install it. It was actually quite cumbersome to do it. I did it, <clears throat> and I modeled my station. And and uh, now, uh, if you go to K6TU's website, you can you can really just download something in just a few minutes, and you can model it. It's it's very easy. So. It's it's really it might even surprise you on what you have available, good or bad. Uh, for example, my station that I have in Tennessee likes my antennas about a hundred feet or less from twenty meters and up. Anything much over that is either very little return or even negative gain because of my topography. But you know, each station location is very different. If even only two hundred foot away, so it's always best to find out your geography's ability to produce from the exact spot where you, where you plan on putting your antennas. Um, the results of what you get can also determine what contest will be best for you to get the most out of those results. If, uh, for example, if, you're, if your location has a higher takeoff angle, either because of your topography or because you can't get your antennas high enough, you might actually do better in the domestic contests. And you might do really well in the international contests if it's just the opposite and have really good low-angle low takeoff. So my station that I have actually has really good low takeoff angle, especially towards Europe. So each station has its strengths and weaknesses, uh, depending on what you have to work with. Now, I've modeled my station location and compared it to other top contest stations just to see how I stack up. You know, and changing the heights and putting different stacks in, uh, moving the, the, the location around the property. Uh, it shows me where my greatest potential is and how high and, and to get the best bang out of it. Uh, it. It saved me a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money uh, because I know exactly what I'm going to have when, when it's produced. So uh, how, second, how, do you, how do you really it, – is, is it all computer modeling or is there anything that you can do to just kind of look at the maps and, and the elevations and, and try to figure that out? Or do you really need that computer modeling? Well, the computer modeling is going to give you an exact, um, and I, you know, I got to be careful about saying that because, you know, it's it's the it's the most exact that we have today. Um, I'm sure maybe something in the in the future may be different, but for right now, it is the best thing that we have. Uh, you know, there's no out there's no substitute for altitude. I mean, you you really can't you really can't substitute that. But I found that. If, if I find a piece of ground that has rolling, um, sloping 
towards the direction that you're wanting, that's really good. Uh, my location example, I, I live on a 145-foot ridge, and I've got 100-foot towers on there, and the ground underneath there almost goes down at a 45-degree angle underneath of them. So, you know, when you model it, it's like, holy smokes, it's, it's, it's an incredible takeoff as compared to what it would be if it was flat ground. So that's kind of what the, uh, the, the software shows you is it, it, can, it can compare what your property would be like if it was completely flat or if you have, you know, what, what you've got right now. So that, that's kind of the advantage that I've got. And, and it gives me an idea on whether, you know, I'm going to be really strong in high angle or in low angle takeoff. So, and that tells me what kind of a contest that I may want to enter in. Um, if I'm looking at really doing well in a particular contest, and, you know, uh, there are some stations with just single tower setups uh, that are done right, that really perform very well. In fact, it's surprisingly well. Um, one thing that you probably want to look at also is, is, uh, is, is antenna modeling. Um, you know, if you're, especially if you're going to build, like, your own antennas. Um, I found that by stacking... Two smaller antennas will give me an advantage over one really long, big antenna, like a long boom antenna. Um, the modeling is going to show me what's best for my particular location. But uh, when building, uh, like in Tennessee, I like the most forward gain, and I'll sacrifice on the front to back. Uh, to me, the front to back is not very important. And actually, might end up being an advantage for me to have less of the front to back. And the reason why is because the stations to my rear uh, like Southwest, like in Texas, um, they're, they're going to hear me better if I have less front to back and they're probably going to be less apt to, sure. to call CQ on my frequency. So now others might disagree and they like having a high front to back and it keeps the noise down on the radio because I will hear some of the more noise on the back, but I like having that advantage, but everybody's a little different, but that's me. Um, I, I'm going to agree with you on that because we've got yeah, at school, you know, I, I, what I would call a very modest, uh, but it, it's more of a contest grade station. Uh, we've got a two element stepper and, uh, you know, we, we try turning it and, and seeing, you know, how, how directional it is. And it, it does give us a lot of, of directionality, but the thing is we also get a lot of stuff off of the back. And if we didn't, uh, I think we'd miss out on an awful lot. Well, and I've, I've, you know, being in contests, I've, you know, there'll be guys that don't hear me very well that'll get right on top of my frequency and call. And then there'll be a DX station or somebody coming back to us. And I can kind of tell he's there. And, and I've seen it where we're both trying to contact that station exactly at the same time. And he'll give a report. So it's like, okay, <laughs> if you clobbered each other on who he's responding to, you may not realize, you know, you, you may not have actually worked the guy. So it's for me. I like having the lesser front to back, but the most gain in the front. But that's the way I like to do it. Um, talking about the contest, um, you want to focus on antenna directivity as well, because I like to. Well, for me, I like to install an inexpensive tribander that faces the Caribbean on the international contest. Um, one of my best antennas, believe it or not, is a homebrew wire tri-band Yagi that hangs between two treats. And just got it fixed on the Caribbean, but uh, picture a two-inch aluminum boom that is suspended between two tall trees. I've got two 75-foot oak trees, and I've got this thing up about 65, 70 feet, and it's got pulleys on the bottom of the boom. And I just pull up 
uh, dipoles. Well, it's basically the, the driven element is a, like a fan dipole for 10, 15, and 20. And then I just pull up reflector wires for each band, too, on those pulleys. And I don't have 100 bucks in it, and it really works quite well. Um, it's fast because I can just click right over to that antenna, work them, and then I can go right back to my run antenna if I'm doing a single op. Or even if, uh, like in multi-contest, when I have uh, multiple operators there, they can just click over to the Caribbean antenna and then click right back to, to another one. So um, it, it's a big advantage for us. So I like having fixed antennas in different directions. We actually did the same te uh, technique uh, on our main station. We actually have uh, antennas that are fixed so that we can quickly switch between directions without having to take the time for the rotor. Um, and it's, it's a big advantage. Um, I've also had low-mounted multiband tri-banders um, in different areas as well, and, and that kind of fills in the gap on the high angle. But one of the one cool thing that I've done is, is uh, I've put, like, uh, two-element quads. They're just wires is all they are, just a loop antenna or just a single loop, and I've done some two-element uh, quad loops that I put inside, the, basically just hung them from a tree, when you stand back and look, you can't even really tell that it's up there. But it's a two-element quad that hangs from the tree. SWR is flat. It's facing the direction that I want. Uh, low cost, and, and it's actually quite effective. They're quiet. Uh, the quads, you can actually mount them closer to the ground than what you could a Yagi. And you get you get pretty good performance out of these things. So um, I've got one that's mounted at 25 feet. Uh, it's three, three, uh, three bands, 10, 15, and 20. And um, it's fed with a single coax or because I've just got a two-to-one balance on it. And uh, guys coming to the house, you just cannot believe how well that thing's working. I've got one of them facing towards Europe. And, you know, we've got a big five-over-five long-boom stacks up there. But this small quad, two-element, really holds its own at 25 feet. So it's it's kind of kind of impressive. But, um, you know, each station's going to be a little different. So, you know, you'll want to model to find out what, what you can get away with. Um, the other thing is, is... Um, uh, pick your category you know there's all these categories whether it's uh, a high power low power you know maybe qrp or assisted so i'd suggest looking at the results of the last few years winners and see how many cues and how many malts those stations are turning into win um this will give you a goal to work towards and and help you to choose the best category for your particular contest the other thing you, you can do for uh, more of a modest station is um single band contesting and I've actually done that. Uh, when I first put my 40-meter antennas up, I had uh, uh, brand-new 40-meter antennas that I put up. And I basically had one array that I faced towards the northwest, towards Japan. I had another array that I faced towards Europe. And then I had a four-square on 40 meters that I faced, uh, that I basically parked on the Caribbean and towards the south. And uh, running SO2R, but basically just 40-meter band only, um, I actually took first place, and not only just USA, but I was actually first place in the world. It was kind of cool. Won me a plaque, and uh, and it was a lot of fun. So, you know, if I, I see some of these really high scores being turned in on single band operation, so if you don't have a lot of real estate or you know a lot of a lot of money, you can actually you know pour a lot of your energy just into a single band, uh, whether it's you know fifteen. Obviously, fifteen is not really good right now, but. Uh, you know, maybe 20 or 40 or, or even 80 meters. So uh, there's some guys that really do well on, on a certain band. And, and, and I found this to be true at, at, at a lot of the contest station. 
the big ones where they have multiple bands. There's usually several bands that they really shine on those bands on, and that just comes down to modeling and how they've built the station. So you know, it's 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 you know a fairly simple thing to focus on a single band effort. Um, if you're looking at doing like single op contest, uh, to be the most successful, if you're really trying to do well in it, um, you'll want to learn how to do SO2R. Um, it's an art. It does take some time to get better. So don't expect to master it in a night. I sure didn't. Uh, but just by doing it in a contest really helps you to learn it. Now, I'm not the best at it, but I do it. <laughs> and uh, and I've watched other guys like on YouTube. Just, you know, these guys can just literally kick my butt at it. But you can't let that discourage you. Um, I use SO2R when the rate gets slow, like, say, under 60 contacts an hour. Um, it's still a huge advantage. Uh, just if you can just make an extra five to 10 contacts an hour with a second radio or a second VFO, if you only have one radio, um, I have won and lost contests by only five contacts an hour. I mean, if you do the math, um, it's amazing. So just having that, that second VFO or that second radio, um, if, even if you're not very good at SO2R, you'll be amazed about how many extra contacts that you can put in the log by the end of the contest. Um, now, how about how about separate receive antennas? Uh, you, you know, do you, do you just go ahead and use the single antenna, or do you have a a separate uh, receive antenna like uh, uh, maybe a beverage? And uh, oh, oh, hang on, we're going we're going to enjoy a beverage here. That's right. <laughs> uh, a little so, water there. So there you go. <laughs> there's um, the be- there's the beverage joke. So all right. So so what do you think on that? Well, yes. Um, here's the thing. If you're going to do a, a, a single radio with two VFOs in it, um, you know, the, if, you're, if you're on the higher frequencies or, or even on, like, say, 40 meters, uh, the beverage may not come in to, to play there. But if you're going to do, like, 80 meters and 160, um, absolutely. It's going to take the noise down. And what I have found is, um, is that even when I'm doing SO2R um, to – and I like using two actual radios. Uh, one radio I put in one ear, one radio I put in the other ear. And one of them, like say the the left the left radio, I'll call it my run radio. That's where I'm calling CQ. And I'm basically parked on a single frequency, and I'm operating. The radio to my right is what I'm going to call either my in-band, if I'm, if I'm running in-band with that other radio. So what a lot of times what I'll do is I'll take my run radio and put it down at the bottom end of the band or at the top end of the band. And then my run radio, or I'm sorry, my in-band radio or my malt radio, uh, my SU2R radio, I'm going to roll around the band and try and stay away from it as much as possible. Now, just like you were talking about a receive antenna, by putting that on a different receive antenna, um, I keep the hash and the noise down. So while I'm transmitting with my run radio, I'm listening to the extra radio and in the other ear. Now, if I'm listening to an antenna that's, you know, very close or uh, really resonant, then it's really going to be loud, and it's hard to uh, it's hard to take that noise out. And that's where having um, a different antenna actually comes into play. I'll never forget uh, one contest. AA4CF and I was uh, running 15 meters one time, and we were doing a multi, and all the rest of the guys went home. And we're the last two hours of the contest, and 15 meters decided to open up to Japan. 
Well, he's on the run radio. He's running a stack on 15 meters over on one radio where I'm basically in-banding for him because the band's open. We only have a short period of time. We want to make as many contacts as on that band as possible. So he's at the bottom end of the band on the stacks. I'm at the top end of the band. Well, every time he transmits, he just clobbered my receive, and every time I transmit, I do the same to him. So what I did was we've got a, an 80-meter delta loop that's in a tree that's about 400 feet away from the transmit antennas. So I just basically used that antenna on my radio and tuned it, and the band was open enough to where I could still make contacts and still hear those guys in Japan on that big wire. But the noise, I cut the noise in half. Now, we still heard each other, obviously, but uh, but it was, a, it was enough that we could actually do that. So there's times that you may want just oddball antennas out there that are either non-resident or on another band to use with your second radio just for that purpose if, if you're going to in-band for yourself or if you're going to multi-contest. Well, um, we're go- we're going to need to take a break here. We're we're just uh, about to break time. So, we're going to do that when we come back. We want to talk about um, you know, what what are some of the things that you can trim off if you have to trim off something on your install and and we'll talk about some some contesting software and some other things uh, when we come back after this word from Icom right here on Ham Talk Live. Heard it, worked it, logged it. It's time to get the transceiver that's best suited for your lifestyle. ICOM offers a variety of high performance and innovative products. Make the most out of contest season with one of these ICOMs today. The IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants. This high performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest of signals even in the presence of stronger adjacent ones. The IC7610 by ICOM is a direct sampling, software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. It has RF direct sampling, 110 RMDR, independent dual receiver, and dual digicel. The IC7300 is changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. With RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. And, of course, the IC7 7851 keeps your competitive contesting edge with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. ICOM's IC7851 is the pinnacle of HF perfection. It has dual receivers, digital IF filters, memory keyer, digital voice recorder, high-resolution spectrum waterfall display, enhanced PC connectivity, and an SD memory card slot. For more information on ICOM radios, be sure to visit ICOM America dot com slash amateur join the conversation give us a call at 812 net ham one that's 812-638-4261 now here's more ham talk live ham talk live the longer you listen the later it gets Thanks to ICOM America for sponsoring Ham Talk Live each and every week. Check them out at icomamerica.com slash amateur. 
Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at HamTalkLive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's time for your calls now. So if you have a question for Steve, give us a call right now at 812-638-4261. That spells 812-NET-HAM-1. Or you can tweet us. It's at HamTalkLive on Twitter. And if you're listening to us on WTWW or the podcast edition, um, you won't find anybody home at the phone line cause, cause we're all going to be in Huntsville. So <laughs> you won't be able to, you won't be able to, to find us here. We do have one tweet here, uh, that, that we'll throw in before we get back to Steve. Uh, it's from Brett WY7BG says, good evening. And it occurred to me today that hams might want to activate parking lots. I, I know where this is going because of my fascination with Walmart parking lots on the air. Uh, but activate the parking lots of hundreds of IMAX theaters around the country. Because, after all, it would be cool to say that uh, one is participating in an event called Imploda. Oh, my. Well, good evening, Brett. Thank you for Thank you for writing in. So... Yeah, hopefully it doesn't implode. So, Steve, let's get back to the the contest uh, station here, and we'll see if we get some calls here at 812-638-4261. We were getting ready to talk about um, some ways that, you know, maybe you've got this grand plan, and and, and you've got all this stuff figured out that that you're going to do to build your station, and you get in and... And invariably you find something unexpected and it ends up costing more money. And, and so, you know, with the big stations, you don't cut corners, but if you had to cut a corner, what would it be? Well, um, first of all, I would, uh, your, your, your money is well spent in your antennas and your in, outside. That is going to be your best bang for the buck. You know, a, a transmitter is a transmitter. So I would make sure that, uh, you know, your, your, your main focus of your contest station will be what you connect at the other end of the coax. That's, that's going to be your best bang for your buck. And there's other things you can do as well. Um, for example, you know, if you don't have a lot of room for beverage antennas and receive antennas, one thing that I have done, and it's been very successful, is put out some what they call loops on the ground. Now, if you can picture a 60-foot piece of wire that is uh, shaped into, the, into a diamond, it's 15-foot on a side, uh, a 9-to-1, I think it's a 9-to-1 ballon, I have to look at my notes again, but it's a, it's a small, tiny ballon that you can build for, for pennies uh, fed into 75-ohm coax. Now, these are not going to compare with a beverage at all, uh, but they are directional. Uh, you can mow right over them once you put them on the ground with some ground staples. I've actually took several of these and phased them together. Um, now again, they're not going to work as, as well as a beverage, but if you don't have the room for a beverage, this is a very cheap and inexpensive way that you can knock the noise down and still get good gain. You put a preamp on them if your rig doesn't have one, um, and, uh, and use these, they, they're pretty effective. Um, another tool that you can use is having your own skimmer. Now they've got some inexpensive solutions out now. You can take these small SDR plays. Uh, there's guys building these little things out of, uh, at kits, uh, but it's basically having your own DX skimmer. And I'm talking for like uh, CW contests or for RIDI contests. 
you can actually build a CW ready skimmer. Now, the beauty of having something like this is, is that your skimmer will spot to your station things that it's actually hearing. So you know that you're going to be able to work that particular station. You know, unlike having it connected up to some of the clusters where a guy in Japan is spotting somebody in Europe, which you're, you know, most likely not to be able to hear that. So these are these are going to be direct spots that you're not going to waste your time on trying to search out. So that's, you know, they're inexpensive and they're pretty effective. Um, and having, you know, Jeff, W2FU, told me one time that your receive antenna are more important than your transmit antennas. And he is correct on that because you're not going to hear them or you're not going to work them if you can't hear them. So one thing you want to do is make sure that your location you can hear. Now, I've, I've actually tested some of these small loop antennas. Um, and we've actually used them. Uh, we used them... Uh, there are several manufacturers of these, things, but they're about a three-foot diameter loop. Uh, you know, there again, that's if you don't have a lot of room and a space. We were actually using them on our property where we had a lot of room, and we were just testing these things and, and putting a couple of them in phase. And we found that we we used them to knock down our own noise uh, because our transmit station is transmitting so loud. You know, he's running fifteen hundred watts. We're only two or three hundred feet away from the antenna. We're using these antennas to, to knock that hash down, but to hear the other stations as well. So there are some effective little small receive antennas that you can do to uh, to do that, especially if you're going to in-band for yourself as a single op or, you know, even as a multi-op, but you want to in-band for it. Um, for example, I take one radio and I'll put it on 20 meters and I'll put, I'll put another radio using a non-resident antenna. And I, I kind of talked about this before, also on 20 meters, but I'll use a completely uh, a different antenna that's, that's not resonant on that band. That really knocks the noise down too. It's inexpensive. Uh, you know, it's just a, if nothing else, just a dipole that you've got hanging in a tree or some other location on your property. Uh, get it as far away from the transmit antenna as possible, but it does become quite effective. Um, you know, there's a lot of new hardware out there, too, and there's some advantages with the hardware choices. You know, a lot of these newer rigs now have two VFOs and split audio where you can put one VFO in one ear and another VFO in the other ear, and then you can adjust the audio levels of each one. Uh, you know, when I'm busy in a run, uh, like say, you know, I've got hundred an hour coming in on CW. I can, uh, I want to focus both ears on that one VFO, but when the pileup starts slowing down, I may want to split that off and start searching and pouncing with the other radio or the other VFO. And then I can split the audio and I can adjust the audio on each, each ear. So, you know, most of your modern rigs will do that. Um, and now what you'll, what a lot of guys will do, and I've learned this from different contest stations I've operated once. The contest station that has the most automation seems to do the best. Um, and I'm talking about when you don't have to manually click and change uh, the bands on the antenna switch, when you don't have to change uh, the amplifier, when you, don't, when you don't have to change those things. It's much quicker because, like at my place, uh, they're in Tennessee. and In fact, most of my contest station I've done, they're all automated totally. So when you click... Uh, 20 meters on your logging software, and I, I particularly like uh, N1MM, but if you click on 20 meters, the radio goes, those, obviously the software goes, the antenna switch goes, the amplifier goes, everything switches with one click. So it, you're just much more efficient that way. Um, so the more you can automate, um, I, I think the better you'll be. Um, I like Again, I like having two radios. Now, there's some guys who operate really well with one radio, and there's some radios now that are coming out with two VFOs and complete 
you know, split and everything. I mean, you, you've got full duplex with these things. So some of the, some of the hardware choices coming out now is really cool. And, uh, with, uh, within one MM and I, I can only speak for that because I don't use a lot of other logging software. Uh, what I can do is with, with keys on my, with just F keys, I can put one, one VFO or radio in one ear and one in the other ear. And I hit one key. It's like the backslash key. I can switch back and forth between which, uh, VFO I'm transmitting on, which radio I'm transmitting on, um, and one other click, I can switch the audio in and out of both ears with one push of a button. So, like, say, for example, that I'm calling CQ and I'm doing search and pounce, and all of a sudden I've got four guys coming back to me on my run frequency. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is put both ears on that pileup that's coming in so that I can copy better. That's me. Some of the younger ears out there <laughs> might do better doing uh, you know, be okay not doing that. But me, I'm, I'm getting older. I, I want to have both ears focused. I hit one key on there. Uh, so learn to do these techniques. These are cheap, they're free, and there's all kinds of uh, YouTube videos to show you how to set up your your particular logging software with your radio that you can do that. And it just makes things so much faster and better because I don't have to turn knobs. If I don't touch the radio and all I'm doing is keystrokes, I'm so much more efficient, I'm so much faster, and, you know... Uh, the radio actually kind of slowed me down because I'm playing with it all the time. So I've got a lot of my macros and a lot of my F keys all laid out to where th- th- I, I do this. So um, the now, other thing got, that you'll I've have. Got, oh, okay, go ahead. I've got some tweets here, so we're. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll go ahead, those. and I'll let me gather okay. my thoughts on this next subject. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of younger ears, we have we have a couple of tweets from a couple of younger ops. And, uh, and another one. So I'll, I'll just put it that way. So, <laughs> uh, first of all, Bryant KG five HVO has a question, uh, for Steve. Do you have any BPF recommendations for a low power SO two R station? Hi, Bryant. Good. Uh, good to talk to you here. Um, well, you know, a lot of, there's some choices on the big ones, obviously on the smaller ones. Um, you can okay. There's a couple manufacturers that make these now. Uh, one of them is an all-in-one box. Uh, I think Ray Solution is one of them, and it basically is a. In fact, I've got one at my house. It's a it's a six band bandpass filter. It's only good for 200 watts. Now you can use an amplifier with it, but you would have to use it between your radio and your amp. And it does full band tracking. Where if you hook a control cable up to your uh, radio. Uh, it takes all different type of radios. It'll it'll work with about anything that's modern. Um, it'll band track automatically with it, so you can have your band pass filter on there. Uh, they also have uh, W3NQN filters that's available now too. They're single band filters, uh, but they also make a, a matrix that you can put them into and make them. So in other words, if you bought one for each band that you want to use, so they're all low power ones. Um, those are the ones that. Uh, you know that we've I've used them and they, they actually are effective. Obviously, I've used the big ones too. So, you know, if you're going to be in a, a high power. You know, you want to look at the big ones, but the the smaller ones are actually are effective. The other thing you can do, and and don't count this out, is coaxial stubs. Um, I actually use both. I have coaxial stubs outside, right behind my shack, and I also use the bandpass filters, the small ones, the the low power ones in between my radio and my amplifiers. Those work quite well. Uh, I, I have very little uh, band interaction with uh, with using both of those. All right. We've got another question for you. We're going to kind of switch gears here because we've been talking to HF all night. 
but Carl KD9HQT says, would a 2-meter, 70-centimeter, 23-centimeter uh, antennas horizontally polarized and above be ideal for sideband and CW? Um, since you can do that on those bands and, and the, those modes aren't used much, uh, since FM is more popular and, you know. I, I couldn't really comment very well on, on how well, uh, or what the, the things you need to look at mostly for VHF contest. Okay. And then, uh, Don KB2YSI, uh, wants to know if you've ever worked at multi-op station where they passed the multi. And if so, how do you communicate the pass off? We we have um, it's it's done differently at every station. <laughs> so it really whatever depends. works that that's that's the it, answer. That's right. Whatever uh, works, <laughs> it, it does. We we've got some operators that have done different type of things. So this is why it's really good to operate with with different contests. I listened to your show last week where Craig K9CT was on there, and Craig is such a joy to listen to. He's a he's a wealth of information. And um, and I'll I'll say kind of the same things that he's done, and and I noticed him say this. He said that if you can ever get you know around other contesters, it's 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 really good to do that. Um, you know, participate even if you're just a bystander you just want to watch. It's amazing how much you're going to watch by doing this. And, and just like this question here about learning to do this, because different operators will actually do this in different ways. Um, you know, they'll tell the DX station to actually physically go to this station or, or hey, I've got a we, – we're sitting on uh, 14-185 running right now. Call us there. You know, so – you know, and it works. Uh, we've actually done this in Ritty contests. In Ritty contests, um, what we've done is is uh, we'll have a macro on our keyboard, and we'll push that macro, and it actually will spot ourselves to that station. Not not spot like a DX spot, but it'll actually report automatically where that other station is in the key command, so that that prints it out on his screen so that he knows our station is transmitting on that other frequency at that time. And that's very effective. It's very fast. Um, obviously, if you're in sideband or CW, it's a lot more difficult, but that's that's how we've been doing it. All right. Very good. Well, if you have a question, uh, we're about to finish up here. So if you have one, give us a call right now. It's 812-638-4261, or uh, we'll check Twitter once again. It's at Ham Talk Live and... Uh, We'll get things finished up here tonight. I know uh, one other thing that you had on on your list here that that we we didn't uh, get too far into was uh, preparation. Yep, and, and that that that's actually a very big uh, subject. Um, you know, and I've done this before where I've been in a hurry. I uh, in fact, one contest, I got off the plane. Um, I'm rushing home, and I got home 20 minutes after the contest start, and nothing is turned on. I got to boot up all my computers, got to turn on the radios. I got, you know, you know, I'm way late for the contest. I didn't test anything. I really bombed that contest. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's like anything else in life or sports. The the guy who comes in and prepares the best, the most, has the best chance of winning. So I can't stress on how how important it is. Me personally, uh, I host a lot of multi contests. I've got a core group of guys that comes to my place, and uh, so the week, the entire week before these guys arrive, I am preparing for the contest. Now, I know that sounds maybe a little obsessive, um, and ask my wife, it probably is, <laughs> but we, we plan everything. I mean, the meals, uh, the sleeping arrangements, the, the, the operating schedules, uh, 
all the way down to checking SWR on every antenna, uh, making sure that the antenna switch switches, making sure the amplifier is tuned up properly on each band, uh, making sure that nothing's out of place, the rotors turn, the radio, and, and everything is in sync and in harmony. We update all of our software, uh, you know, get the latest updates. Like with M1MM, you know, there's updates nearly every week. There's usually sometimes more than one a week. Uh, we put the latest uh, uh, country file in there. Um, if you've got a history file from previous contests, you know, we want to put those in there so that, you know, when the calls come in, uh, maybe that's one you've worked before in a prior contest. So your software would remember his credentials. Um, it's just these type of things do this. And the other thing um, I'll mention is to make yourself comfortable. Uh, during the contest, I try and place everything in, on the table in the operating position to where it's comfortable to reach it. If you have to struggle to reach that knob or get to the mouse or, or whatever you're trying to reach for in the contest, it's very fatiguing. So you want to make sure that everything is comfortable. Uh, you know, I, I got my snacks and my drink right there where I can reach them with one hand <laughs> and the mouse and the keyboard with the other. So, you know, I try and make it to where I can sit in the seat the longest period of time and be the most comfortable. Well, all great tips, um, all, all uh, wealth of information tonight on on getting your own contest station going and uh steve thanks so much for for coming on and and before we go we want to mention the you know the big station here um you're going to be uh down at huntsville and, and talking about it uh, remind us about be loud yeah, we've uh, we, we've made some improvements, and you know, since I was last on, uh, we were just uh, just had finished up phase one of our build, and we've gone back and we've done some more. We put some receive antennas out. We didn't get all the things that we wanted done at that particular station, but um, it. It's, uh, it's it's prime time. It's it's a world class winning station. We've already proved it. We've we've had three first place USA finishes from it, um, and some of the finishes we had were just incredible finishes. So it's working quite well. We're not done with it yet. We still have got uh, a 164 square to put up. We've got all the hardware ready to go. Uh, 80 meter four square. We've got some other things planned for the station as well. Um, so it's it's pretty incredible. We've got a lot of guys out there that's asking us. Uh, uh, you know, we're coming out with software. The software is basically it's a web interface that uh, folks around the uh, the country or the world can actually log into and use our station as if they were sitting there. And it's a it's a web based interface. That's uh, there's no software to download. There's no hardware. Uh, they basically can do it from an iPhone or a a Mac or a PC or they're an Android. It'll work on any any platform, and uh, they can operate they can operate the station. So it's really cool. We've been testing with it, and uh, we are about uh, two weeks from launch, and uh, so we're quite excited about it. And uh, uh, and since then we've added some other stations that want to be a part of what we're doing. Um, so we're still actually looking for other stations that we can marry in and be a part of the network to uh, to take part in this it's really cool so we we feel we're actually changing the hobby by all of this very good well you've, you've got an incredible setup out there and uh so we wanted to remind everybody about it and it's be loud.us to find out more about that and if you're down in huntsville stop by and, and give steve a yell and and, and talk to him and uh, and, and Fred will be down there too, right? He's, he's on his way. That that's right. Uh, we've got, uh, we got a full booth and, uh, we got some signs and, uh, Fred will be there handing out some cards and talk to some, some folks that, uh, we got a lot of folks we know that, that are interested in, uh, coming to talk to us. So it's quite exciting. 
All right. Well, we look forward to it, and uh, we want to thank you and thank everybody for uh, tuning in tonight, and and thanks so much, and I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Neil. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun coming back. All right. Well, that is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. I'd like to thank my guest, Steve Narducci, W9SN from BeLoud.us, and Everybody out there in cyberspace for typing in tonight and listening and invite you back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And for a list of all of our upcoming guests, visit hamtalklive.com. And if you like HamTalk Live, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It helps others find us faster. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375. See you this weekend if you're in Huntsville and... May the good DX be yours.